Welcome back, guys, to my podcast, Triggered. It's Lauren Jane here. I'm here to chat with you guys a little bit about mental health today. As you guys have known already, as the title suggests, Triggered is surrounding a lot of issues around mental health, and I kind of shared you shared with you all my journey on that road. So today is a very unique topic. This is this topic today is about borderline personality disorder. This is a very specific mental health crisis. And the reason I'm opening up and sharing with you guys about this specifically is because I've come to find out on doing lots of research and lots of treatment that this is a very misdiagnosed, underdiagnosed, and misunderstood illness. And the reason I need to share that with so many people is because I've kind of come to figure out in my life that it's very distressing when you continually have certain issues with your mental health and you're never really finding the answer. You're never really feeling satisfied with the treatment plan, the therapy. Maybe you're continuing to run into some habitual patterns of behavior or maladaptive coping strategies. And this specific issue is insanely painful to deal with, but it's absolutely treatable. It's like, I think they say that's like an 88% complete recovery to go into remission and to have a good treatment plan and recovery. So the thing with this particular issue is, like I said, it's very misdiagnosed and underdiagnosed. A lot of the time, these symptoms that would present in someone's life are going to be very like diagnosed as bipolar or anxiety or major depressive disorder, um, complicated grief. There's these other issues, maybe just generally generalized anxiety disorder. So these other classic kind of vague mental health descriptions are not quite identifying the real issue and therefore the treatment is is going completely in the wrong direction. And so that's why I'm here to help you. So here to share with you guys. So if you have you or anyone in your life is struggling with a mental health issue and you relate to any of these symptoms, these are very classic telltale symptoms. It's very, very important. I also want to include a trigger warning on this episode because I do go into things about self-harm and even uh, suicidal ideation. So if that's something that you are not open to hearing about right now or you don't feel is is safe for you, uh, please, please don't continue watching this at this time if that's not what you feel safe. But I do think the information in here is very, very helpful in terms of helping people get diagnosed and treated and help. The whole point is to help out in that regard. So... um, further going to go into this. So the the real reason I'm kind of going over this is we have, okay, so for myself, I've probably been dealing with borderline symptoms for about three years diagnosed, which does not mean that I haven't been dealing with them for a lot longer in my life. Um, but I've been able to get into treatment and feel very, very stable. So let me kind of just explain to you what's going on here. So the classic telltale signs are extreme mood swings, intense emotions, especially emotional pain, feelings of shame, feelings of emptiness, unstable relationship patterns, suicidal ideation, and even attempts. So these are this is obviously a very serious illness. This is obviously a very serious issue. And without getting the proper treatment, like I said, you you won't necessarily correct the ship. You won't necessarily get more stable with your line of thinking or maybe your emotions or or the regulation of your emotions and even will start to bleed into your personal relationships. So um, I'm going to share with you guys. So like I said, I've I've known intimately about this for about three years. I've read books. I've 
gone to therapy, multiple multiple modalities of therapies, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, um, EMDR therapists, hypnotherapy, and um, I've gotten a lot of information, so I feel very helpful. Okay, so this is mainly a relationship disorder, and what what um, clinical psychologists like Dr. Daniel Fox, he's on YouTube, he's actually an, a personality disorder expert, and he goes into so much detail on being compassionate with the people that have this because there are so many misnomers and misunderstandings about this. It's almost like people shy away from diagnosis because they're so afraid to get discredited as a human or to be stigmatized against society or relationships. Um, because on top of the emotional pain that the person with, we're going to call it BPD, so borderline personality disorder, the person who's having BPD, whether they are diagnosed or not, is suffering extreme emotional pain. And when I explain that, the best way that Dr. Daniel Fox explains is he's basically saying your emotions, someone who has BPD, is experiencing emotions 10 times the average person would feel a fluctuation in emotions. So if someone is feeling shame, they feel 10 times that level of shame. If they're feeling grief, they can feel 10 times the level of grief that someone might normally feel. If they're feeling depressed, 10 times de more depressed than normal. Betrayal, 10 times more betrayed. So as you can see, all the different emotions, it, the scale with which the emotions are fed into the body and fleet, how do I say that? Feeding into the body. So, you know, we have in our brain our amygdala, the source of fear and the source of pain is actually flooding the system more than normal. So it's an emotional dysregulation. There's actual chemicals running through the body at more extreme highs and lows. And so it is not controlled by the person. The person's not trying to feel worse. They're not trying to, they didn't, most people in the beginning don't even know that they feel more intensely until they start interacting with people and friends and family. And let's say someone is with BPD is triggered and they recognize that they overreacted in a situation. Maybe they overreacted uh, to a comment that was said or a look on someone's face or a laugh or a snicker or a, a taunt that would have normally maybe made someone a 3 out of 10 upset. But with a person with BPD, it made them a 10 out of 10 or a 12 out of 10 or a 20 out of 10 upset. Like it, I, I'm trying to explain this in a way that is helpful because if anyone out there is experiencing these really volatile, intense emotions and maybe not knowing what to deal with them, maybe feeling a little shame around them, maybe not knowing if you could be a little different in your assessment and perception of reality than someone next to you. It's a very scary and confusing situation. So I actually, along this journey, and I'll kind of explain that to you guys um, a little bit throughout this session, is that you actually get so much liberation and freedom and uh, from getting knowledge and getting diagnosed and then getting treat treated to the point that you actually have tools that help regulate these intense emotions. So let me go back to where I was at. So mainly a relationship disorder. There's usually a lot of ups and downs in interpersonal relationships. Um, you either will notice that someone, if you don't have BPD, but you notice someone in your life might have something that's off about the way they interact or the way they handle conflict. Um, if you notice that someone is often kind of losing friends serially, like every one to two to three years, they're going through friends and best friends, or they're going and they're having conflict with their family members. Um, they're ghosting people. They're shutting people out of their lives or withdrawing communication. If you're noticing that that, and that can happen with obviously anyone, but if this is a, this is a disorder where it's 
a pattern of behavior over a long haul, like over months, over years, over a decade, you're, re you're recognizing this thing. So this could be something, someone who actually needs to be diagnosed with BPD, or this could be someone who is around someone with that needs to be diagnosed with BPD, and they're recognizing these kind of unstable fluctuations in behavior. So, yeah. All right. So along with that, obviously any relationship can be ta have toxicity, but I'm going to try and explain to you guys why this particular issue has its own identification of toxicity. Um, so want to start off by saying when I first went down this road, I was not super excited to have this diagnosis whatsoever. If you go in the literature and you go and try to read books on it, there's very limited books that actually describe this to a T. Um, the few books that I found, which I'm not even going to mention because I don't know that they're always that helpful, um, is that they go to the extreme top 3%. So people that were having really extreme overreactions, maybe violent tendencies, things like that, which is not the case for myself in terms of the way the media portrays people with this disorder, that they're psychotic, that they, you know, lose touch with reality, that they're paranoid and they, they, they don't, they're not smart and they don't know how to make good decisions. That's kind of how the mainstream media has classified these people. And even some of these books that have been written about borderline personality disorder, when someone goes to read it and check, hey, do I have some of these tendencies? It completely throws them off because they're like, I don't have any of this stuff. So the interesting thing about the diagnostic criteria is that you can have like nine traits out of these 13, 14, or 15 traits and, and still be um, a classic diagnosis. You, you can absolutely be treated, which is nine out of these 13, 14 traits. Actually, I think I wrote 15 down. Um, but yeah, this can be super helpful. I, I really want to put this out there for people that are struggling with their emotional and mental health because it was a very painful journey for me. Um, to go on and to be lost and confused and not understand what's going on and not understand why my brain is telling me something very intensely against maybe what other people are assessing, maybe perceiving. So, um, okay. So like I said, BPD does not reflect, borderline personality does not reflect a low IQ. It does not reflect uh, someone who's not smart. Um, in fact, Dr. Daniel Fox, the expert on borderline personality disorder, um, you can find him on YouTube, Dr. Daniel Fox. Uh, he actually says that people with BPD, because he's been specifically an expert in this field for years, treated hundreds, maybe even thousands of clients. He has said that people with BPD often are insanely talented, creative, emp empathic, driven, loving, smart human beings, and that there is no like... You don't need to discredit someone if they say they have this. You don't need to discredit yourself if you have something similar to these traits because it's not you. And it's, in fact, the person that is suffering from this mental illness. It's not your fault. This didn't happen. You didn't ask for this. You have good intentions in your heart. Like most people have really good intentions. They want to be loving. They want to be connected to the people in their lives, their loved ones, their relationship, their partner, their friends, their family. You know, it's actually interesting because the – I'll explain to you why people get this in the first place. It's basically from childhood or from adolescenthood even, there was a wound or more than one wound done to the child or to the adolescent where there was neglect, physical violence, um, emotional abuse. Um, it could be sexual abuse. It could be uh, any type of abuse really and neglect or abandonment from a caretaker for one or more caretakers. And as you guys already know, I've gone into plenty of detail about what's happened in my past. Um, so you can kind of 
assess maybe where it all came from for myself. Um, but there's lots of different ways in which this could come about. But neglect or any type of instability in your caretaking by your caretakers, like maybe you got love at one moment, but you got extreme abuse in another moment. Maybe it was physical, maybe it was verbal, maybe it was just inconsistency in love could really cause this damaging condition. And what ends up happening is this person develops these intense emotions because they're always like up, down. The person loves me. The person hates me. The person's with me. The person's abandoning me. It, it be, creates this armor in the, in the person's brain that says deep down in their core, not outward on the on the outside, but in their core of their subconscious, their their brain is starting to believe that people that love you are going are are not cannot be trusted. People that love you will be unsafe at one point in your in your life, one or one or another point in your life. So basically the very people you love the absolute most in your life are harmful. And the brain keeps trying to do this and it keeps trying to switch. And one of the uh, maladaptive coping mechanisms is um, is is a black and white form of thinking. So this is one of the telltale signs. If you're ever around somebody, and, and you can't necessarily diagnose any friend, but if you're around somebody who repeatedly, you love them and repeatedly over months or years uh, withdraws communication from you out of nowhere, or maybe they make a really big deal out of a small offense that maybe to you didn't seem worthy of this w massive shift in energy, whether it's an angry outburst, a rage outburst, accusations at you, or withdrawing communication, completely cutting you off as a person over some, to maybe to you, it felt like a small infraction, but for to, to them, it felt to the person with borderline personality disorder, it felt so intensely betrayal because when you, they, they perceive an act that's wrong, which they might actually be perceiving an act that is wrong. And in fact, a lot of the time the triggers are things that are like an act of betrayal, an act of abandonment, an act of, you know, uh, verbal abuse or sabotage or something. So usually there is a form of an offense happening to the person with borderline, but that person is perceiving it 10 times worse than what it actually is. So they feel it like way worse and they perceive it way worse. So it can be very confusing for the person who's who's getting this backlash, whether it's a verbal attack or withdrawing communication or all of a sudden being ghosted or cut off by someone over one small thing. And it can be very confusing. So it can be confusing for the person experiencing it and loving that per person. It can also be very confusing for the person with borderline because they feel like that person attacked them so 10 times worse than they did. They feel like that person betrayed them that bad. And they they only know what they feel, right? Their emotions are telling them that. Their brain is telling them, shut down, push that person away. That person's unsafe. Okay. So like I said, it comes from the caregivers not being consistent, having neglect and abuse, and that core wound. So Dr. Daniel Fox is saying the core wound inside the person with BPD will often be, I am not worthy. I, people I love will betray me. People I love will abandon me. And having that core fear of abandonment fearing that people you love will withdraw from you fearing that people you love are are going to harm you or at points at points in time will be unsafe and what the what he also explains is what's going on in the brain falsely the narrative that's being created by the borderline personality disorder now what's happening is the person immediately feels the pain and they withdraw 
or they avoid conflict or they back off or they cut someone off. And because they did that, the pain goes away for a period of time. So that person starts to develop the co- a maladaptive coping mechanism that as soon as conflict arises, since it feels so painful, I'm just going to never engage in conflict or I will you know, fight the conflict or I will run from the conflict. It, it elicits this huge fear. So you could see how the, over time that would develop a maladaptive maladaptive coping strategy because instead of resolving all of us in relationship have drama all of us in relationship have pain and 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 miscommunications instead of just healing that issue and saying hey this hurt me okay i'm sorry okay i'm sorry now we can move on the person develops a deep sense of distrust and just withdraws and it becomes unresolvable and it's very painful to to be on the receiving end of that and what dr Dr. Daniel Fox, but also any psychologist will tell you, this is called splitting. So there's actually a phrase for what's going on in the relationship is that that person who once highly, highly valued you. So if, you know, that person that once highly, highly valued you, the person with BPD, the person with borderline, highly valued you and they had a trigger, something you did or said made them mad or upset. Probably not a 10 out of 10 in reality, but in their brain, it was a 10 out of 10, even though it was a two in reality. And so they cut you off and they or they black you out. And splitting is when someone goes from you're the best person in the world. I love you. I I will do anything for you to you're the worst person in the world. I I can't stand you. I'm going to break up with you. We're not friends anymore. Or they'll just simply ghost you and literally be done with you because they associated that conflict and that pain from you and they associate it and they scapegoat that person. So instead of looking at people like we all are, we're all gray areas for the most part. We all have a white on in us and we all have black in us. But most of the time we're not all black and most of the time we're not that much black. You know, we have our faults, we have our quirks, we have our flaws, we have our wounds and our traumas. Anyone you're going to go through in life eventually will trigger you or make you annoyed or make you frustrated or make you sad, mad. You know, you get my point. But the problem with this cycle is that person, that one sin, that one little crime that was so benign is blown way out of proportion. And that person just loses trust and it the, everything comes crashing down. And it's very, very painful because it could be your your husband. It could be your wife. It could be your romantic partner. It could be your best friend. It could be your sister. It's very, 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 very painful to go through, to be on the receiving end of getting cut off when someone splits on you. And the other issue with the splitting when this occurs is that they, the brain is so good at writing a new narrative, the brain will tell you that person was never safe to begin with. And that's why it's a mental illness because the brain is overcompensating for that one little crime and offense that, like I said, was only a two or a three. And now all of a sudden the brain has shot up and said it's a 10. This person is never as safe you ever again. She could, you could never accept their apology and blah, 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 blah. And it becomes so dysfunctional. It becomes so – it's bad. And then it reinforces that behavior the next time. So let's say that person cuts you off. They move on to the next person. They do the same thing to the next person. They move on to the next person. And until they realize – wait a minute, I'm serially doing the same thing to multiple people, different people. It's not changing. And this pattern of behavior is causing me literally to lose friends and family. It's never going to get changed and you're never going to get help and you're never going to see if you were part of that problem. Now, you're not the whole problem. You did. You were offended. If you have BPD, you were offended. There was something that hurt you and your pain is real. 
your pain is so, so, so real. You're not crazy in that regard at all. <laughs> I mean, it might sound crazy, but you're not crazy. You are just, you have this insane lens that heightens and amplifies your pain to the point that you think it's where it is, is exactly where reality is and other people see it different. So they call it the BPD lens. You're seeing things, like I said, 10 out of 10 and everyone else is seeing it at two. So that's part of it. Um, okay, so the mood swings are a huge telltale sign. Basically, in one minute, you could be in total ecstasy, happy, having a good time, laughing, dancing with friends, to the next minute being extremely depressed and suicidal in the matter of hours or eight, an hour. And, the, and these mood swings will fluctuate up and down throughout the day like no other. It's so much different than your than what people refer to as bipolar. Bipolar is more of this person has a, a series of days or weeks of mania where they're having high elevated emotions, elevated energy, you know, spending sprees, shopping sprees, whatever. That's mania followed by depression and vice versa. So it's – but that's days and weeks at a time. With this condition, it is literally – hours. It could be hours where you're up, down, up, down, all over the place. And you could stay low. You can almost definitely stay low, but these fluctuations and these extremes are what kind of help classify what's really going on. So if you if you internalize that and you feel like this is a pattern for you, you could you should you could look into this, you know. Um okay, so then you have these bizarre unstable frightening outbursts with family or friends. Um, the, like I said, the feelings with a person with BPD are very real. These are real painful anxiety, real painful depression, real painful feelings of, uh, betrayal. And so the person on the receiving end needs to understand that the person with BPD is in pain. They're in extreme emotional pain. They're not trying to hurt anybody. They're not trying to project. They're just so, they're so caught in their lens that's distorted that they don't know how to see another way and they don't know how to be safe because when they were little or defenseless as a child or an adolescent, they felt like they weren't safe unless they protected themselves. So this is like their protective mechanism. So over time, this no longer serves people and it actually really can mess up relationships really, really bad. Um, Okay, so they they have these insane feelings that are unbearable. Often they will oftentimes people with BPD will say they feel overwhelmed. They'll have panic attacks. They'll feel confused. They'll shut down. Um, and like I said, back to the mal maladaptive uh, mechanisms. Yeah, explain the difference between so it's not so it's not bipolar. If you've heard some of these symptoms, you're like, is that bipolar? No, it's not bipolar. It's not depression because the moods go up and down and fluctuate. Um, it's not anxiety because there's only bouts of anxiety. There's other issues going on. Um, so as you can see, people can have some of these symptoms and not put it under the classification of a whole disorder and get mistreated for years. I knew there was issues with me for years. I've been in therapy for 10 years at least. And I've seen many, many therapists and I've had amazing help. And because I was not diagnosed except for the last three to five years, knowing I would it's probably closer to five years, actually, but three years that I've really been in recovery and the last year really, really making some huge strides. Um, so recovery is possible. But I when I didn't have a diagnosis, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't fix my problems. I couldn't even see that that was an issue. It's almost like you were able to scapegoat everyone else. Everyone. Oh, that person said this to me. You know, that person hurt me. And the other problem with BPD is it kind of puts you in this like victim mindset. And yes, you were a victim. You were absolutely a victim when your 
your your caregivers were not caring for you. You were absolutely a victim when you were abandoned. You were absolutely a victim when you were neglected. Those things are real. But the brain is putting that lens on people that that love you and you know you now. And that is going to cause you trauma and that's going to cause you toxicity in your relationships. So it's 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 once you get to a point where you realize your patterns are not healthy always and they keep cycling through these like serial dysfunctional on-off relationships, that's when you just need to start to take a step back and say, am I part of this problem? And you're not the whole problem. You're absolutely not. Your offenses were real offenses. You you do have ability to sense that things are wrong, but you blew it a little higher than maybe what needed to happen. And the reaction was so intense that the relationship ends up ending usually oftentimes or becoming very strained or on and off friendships, on and off relationships. So, okay, I'm going to give you the nine telltale signs and I'll go on a few of those things. So number one, intense mood swings. And oftentimes people will hide this from people. Number two, having intense bouts of anger and rage that might come out of nowhere. And oftentimes some people will even try to suppress those and they might actually turn that anger in towards themselves. You know, so some people might be more outward with their anger and others might be more inward with the anger, actually leading to like an angry depression state almost. Um, Number three, withdrawing when upset, ghosting and avoiding conflict or all communication over one or two small offenses. Um, And and uh, going back to the splitting thing, you will literally have a person who thought the world of you loved you dearly, close in your life, interacting with you every single day, calling you every day, texting every day, going to see you places, planning trips to absolutely overnight almost. Within a matter of weeks, it could be a matter of days. This person can decide your character is absolutely terrible and that they're going to black you out. That's the whole splitting. So basically they go from thinking you're all white, all good, to all bad. And it's called idealization to devaluation. And it, that process, when someone does that to you and they take, they basically look at you like you're an angel for a while and you're the best person. And then all of a sudden they look at you like you're a demon. It is a very scary uh, to be on the receiving end of that. And, I, and you know, it, it's a very, actually a very shameful thing when you're the one doing it to someone because you're not, as a person that's suffered from this, you're not, tr- I know I was never trying to do this to anyone. I literally love the people in my life with so much with my heart that when they think some anything bad of me, it brings me to such a de- a low depressed state to think people think bad of me or that I to know that I don't love them. It's it's a shame spiral that's almost unbearable. It can literally feel I can feel suicidal again. I can feel absolutely depressed and wiped of energy. So yeah, sorry, I guys, I gave you a trigger warning on that one. And always, and always, you know, you I please, hopefully you guys always know you can reach out to the, the hotline if you're ever having uh, feelings like that. I think the hotline is 988 for any type of suicidal thoughts. So again, trigger warning on that because I do, I have had suicidal thoughts um, that can come on pretty fast, actually. They, I am not currently struggling with that. I've, I've done a lot of tools and a lot of work to bring up my self-esteem to have so much gratitude for my life and my daughter and my husband and and my friends and family. And I I feel so insanely blessed. I've been able to really activate these tools. But the problem is this is an emotional dysregulation problem. This is not a mind. This is not just tell yourself great thoughts. I'm going, the people who have BPD are going to have to struggle with emotions their whole life. 
So this, the problem with this disorder is you don't, you don't correct the emotions. You have to rewrite your brain to think differently about your emotions. And that is a massively hard thing to do. As you guys know, rewriting your brain about anything, especially when you have a subconscious core belief, is probably the one of the most insanely hard things to do. People literally go to ayahuasca to rewrite their brains about what they think about themselves. You know, a hardcore, you know, not don't take it lightly, plant medicine that's going to basically show you, you are worthy. You are not your trauma. You are not your addiction. You are not your pain. You are not your, your suffering. Like these are things the mind is constantly trying to fight you on. And the mind in this mental, well, the mind in any mental illness is your enemy, but in this mental illness, it's so scary because it's not always your enemy. Your mind is pretty accurate. Like 90% of the time, maybe 95, maybe 98. It's these one, two, three percent of the time when the mind is triggered, 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 I'm triggered. <laughs> um, when the mind is triggered with a person with borderline, they will flip a switch into in instant defense mode, instant, it's that person's fault, I'm gonna escape that person, it's all, it's all their fault, it's all his fault, it's all their fault. And they defend up and they will not see. There's no logic brain on on board we only have emotional brain on board and when the emotional brain is the only thing activated in your body you can't think straight and you can't hear when people are trying to tell you they're sorry you can't hear when people are trying to explain why the offense is shouldn't be that serious or why they love you still or why they why they here for you whether we can make up we can make this work when the emotional brain is full fully there there, there is no logic on board. So that's why this this condition will get worse over time. People actually get worse when they're not diagnosed or treated because in their 30s and especially in the 30s is when it hits them hardest because this is where your life is starting to get you, your your maladaptive coping mechanisms are so deep and they've snowballed for so many years that you will literally wake up, have like some of your closest friends are gone or have set boundaries with you or have distanced themselves from you because they're tired of getting ghosted and they're tired of getting yelled at or they're tired of getting accused of things or whatever it is that you did to protect yourself. And it's scary because you're pushing this, this condition is scary for two main reasons to me. You push away the people you love the most. So that's self-sabotage and it's painful to experience and to do, and it's shameful to do. And you're at risk for suicide because you're Push, you're literally working against yourself. The ego and the mind are trying to protect you from a threat that's not really threatening anymore. And it's real pain, but it's not a real perceived threat. So it's, it's, it's devastatingly difficult to deal with because I know from like I have chest pain thinking about it right now. Every time I, I knew I would go to a 10 out of 10 pain or 20 out of 10, I would be instantly depressed, instantly suicidal, instant pain. And I couldn't even necessarily talk myself out of it. My emotions were just rolling, rolling. And so I just want people out there to have some empathy and some compassion because I think that's what we need around mental health and around this disorder specifically or maybe other disorders. I will say, unlike other disorders and other personality disorders such as like narcissism, people with borderline have empathy. They absolutely, in fact, they have so much empathy that they usually end up with people that are on the more narcissistic spectrum. It might not be a full-blown narcissist, but it is someone who tends to be very confident, very sure of themselves, very well, 
well figured out in life because the person with borderline often has such a destroyed sense of self for so long, feeling like they weren't loved, feeling like they weren't cared for, feeling like they weren't valued, that they constantly are kind of subconsciously questioning, am I good enough? And they're always, and in fact, because they were neglected or, or mistreated in such a way, and they love so hard and they're always looking hard for love and to be loved, they will go out of their way to help others. They will go out of their way to show love and to give. They'll be over givers. Oftentimes they're big people pleasers and they love bomb people, not love bomb in the sense that they're actually trying to deceive anyone, but they are so filled with love. Like they have that love that's like 10 times as intense as, you know, normal love, I guess you would say, um, that they are so, when they're with you and they're on a good one and you're white and you're an angel in front of their eyes right now, they are so giving, they're present, they shower you with like verbal affection. And, and this is a real thing. This is not a narcissistic behavior. This is real love. It's just, they're so overwhelmed with their emotion of happiness around you at that time that they want you to experience it. And they want you to know how much they care for you. So borderlines are not just crazy people. And I wouldn't even say crazy, but obviously it's a mental illness, so it's on the psychiatric spectrum. And I want to come out here and tell you guys, it is insanely vulnerable to come out and say you have something. It opens you up and exposes you to haters, to trolls, to people maligning your life or maybe saying you're not smart or maybe saying that you don't make good relationship decisions or, oh, look, that's why she's like that. I'm purposely exposing myself and being vulnerable because I want people to know that there is a real, there's a lot of people out there that need this help. And a lot of people out there are struggling with pain and they're ending their lives over this pain. And it's devastating to watch and to feel and understand. And if I can do anything to help someone who's going through all of this, whether it's a family member or friend that recognizes someone having a mental health struggle, or whether someone out there needs to see someone like me say, I had slash have this issue and I struggle with it, but there is treatment and happiness and gratitude and so much recovery if you get diagnosed and treated um yeah and you don't even have to take medications like you're literally just talking to a therapist and you now you know how now you know what the source of the problems are so now you know how to navigate when conflict comes up and now you know how to navigate your emotions and how to get tools to deal with them and it really become very very liberating and empowering so i'm trying to shift the narrative away from mental health ish issues being so stigmatized and being so discreditable. Oh, she has mental health. You know what? Yeah, I do. And I'm an advocate here for everyone who has mental health problems because we need to speak up for people that are struggling because people are struggling in silence. Oftentimes people are self-isolating. It's terrible. Okay. Um, another issue, uh, another trait. So we went through a mood swings, anger, withdrawing. Now we're on to avoiding talking to others that upset you or over something irrational and cutting off people in an instant. That's another sign. Number five, blaming someone when there's an instant internally. So the person with BPD will blame themselves internally. They'll actually feel the pain and shame of an offense instantly, but they won't, they will avoid the conflict and then they will project it onto a scapegoat. So they'll literally point the finger back at you and say, nope, this conflict was 100% your fault and I will take zero accountability. Um, even though internally they're actually feeling the pain of the shame. So they feel they're wrong, but they won't admit they're wrong. And they will double down, in fact, most of the time. Um, another another sign is persistent feelings of shame, guilt, 
and emptiness of self. Some people will evil even feel like constantly empty, like I'm not worth anything, I'm a piece of shit, nobody likes me. You know, p- people will often say that they feel like they have to put on a mask constantly for people to like them. They have to like constantly be giving and constantly performing and constantly uh, look look the part, act the part, be present for people to like them as if their true self, their true resting basic self is not authentic, good enough for people. So having those feelings of shame, guilt, you're not enough. That's that's something that runs true with this. Um, some people, uh, another trait is having thin skin, taking things too personal. Um, number eight, feeling like a burden to, to self or others. And the and the the issue with that is these people with this condition will often self isolate. And when they isolate, they're doing the worst. Like their mental health is absolutely in crisis mode when they start to withdraw from people they love and self-isolate, they're actually, they need people to be present. They need help. They need boundaries, but they're too too in, in pain to deal with it. So self-isolation is another issue. Um, people pleasing at a cost to health, like mental health or, or stress. So someone might be overly like, give, 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 give. I, I'm going to do everything for you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to get you all these gifts. And in the back of their mind, they're actually feeling resentful because they don't want to give that much, but they don't know how to say that they're giving too much. So they end up people-pleasing for a period of time, and then all of a sudden they drop off. So the relationship pattern will look like this person was present. This person was uh, calling you all the time. They were texting all the time. They're sending you notes, gifts, cards, love, affection. And all of a sudden one day it's gone because in the back of their mind, the person with BPD was thinking – I have to give too much and I'm resentful of this and I'm not even going to tell someone that I feel resentful. I'm not going to slowly say, you know what, I'm doing too much. I'm just going to ghost because conflict is too stressful for me. Um, And that's a very blind side. It feels like a blind side because you feel all this love from this person and you're, you're giving them love back too. You're answering the phone calls. You're present for them. You're showing up as a good friend or family and they're like, ghost, bye. I never knew. I never cared. I'm not even going to give you a response. I don't I don't owe you a response. I don't owe you a text back. I don't owe you nothing. <laughs> it's devastating, dude. And that's the pro- part of it is the core wound is a fear of abandonment. So if they're trying to avoid being re-triggered by you abandoning them, and oftentimes what they will do, a person with BPD, if they're feeling betrayed or they th- sense that you're pulling away or you're in very much different agreement with things than them, Um, they will reject you before you reject them. So they'll kind of just, and this doesn't happen with every interaction. You can't just classify everything as someone who has a borderline issue. Um, It's usually around small little episodes, not their whole person, not their whole entire interaction, but it can happen. So some of these patterns are good to recognize. Um, Some people, the 10th trait could be social anxiety around certain people's situations, and that also can cause self-isolation. So that what ends up happening is people with this condition are have this thing where they ruminate. Okay, ruminating, just like black and white thinking, where you split on someone going split to black or split to white. They're all good. They're all bad. Another coping mechanism that's so de- detrimental to their mental health is rumination. Now, rumination, I'm so glad I learned about this because I would do this all the time and I did not have a word to identify what, why I was so distressed about things that would bother me and why I would keep going over them in my head. So like, let's say someone pisses you off and instead of like either resolving the conflict or 
thinking about it for a second or venting about it a second and moving on, a person who ruminates will literally go over and over and over in their head. Oh my God, that person pissed me off. Oh my God, that person said this. Oh my gosh, why did they do that? They're, they're so mean. They're so terrible. And then it starts to snowball into this like monster that didn't need to be there. Yes, this person did this little thing or maybe a big thing, but it's not the snowball that I keep creating it because each time I ruminate, I'm thinking more and more. I'm feeding it negative energy and I'm feeding it to be worse in my body and in my brain than it started out to be. Because with rumination, the, the people with BPD struggle to focus on something else. They will hyper-focus on the negative thing at hand for days, weeks, years. It is that bad. And this rumination is so detrimental. That's also detrimental because they will ruminate on self-shame. I'm terrible. I'm a failure. I fail every job. People see I'm failing in my relationships. Oh my gosh, people see I failed. I didn't lose the weight, the weight that I said I was going to lose. I didn't stop that addiction I said I was going to stop. I'm a piece of shit. I'm shameful. And those rumination thoughts are on top of the emotional storm of chemicals flooding through their body is what makes people suicidal. They're feeling devastated. They're feeling 10 times depressed, 10 times the level of failure. Their mind keeps ruminating on the issue, which probably was an issue. There's probably something that maybe they did wrong or someone else did wrong, but they they don't get off that train. They don't jump off and say, okay, I'm not going to focus negative today. I'm not going to focus on that person that made me mad. I'm going to give it some space. I'm going to give it some breathing room. I'm going to get jump off this negative choo-choo train <laughs> and go on to happy, happy choo-choo train town. So this and recognize and knowing that you do that, that was a mind boggle for me. Knowing that I, I did this for all these years and I had no word to put to it, why I think like this or go on a negative train. And then to know that I could, I literally have the power to get off that train. That was so empowering, dude. It was insane. It made all the difference in the world. And it might sound really easy to someone who doesn't have rumination or racing thoughts. But let me just tell you, it's not fun and it does happen and it's freaking confusing and scary and shitty. So if you don't got it, then you then you're the shit because this that is the shit. <laughs> that is shit. Um, OK, so I talked about social anxiety, fear, fear being alone. OK, but ironically, self-sabotaging and putting people away. So what will look on the outside if someone has this, they might look like they're having a great time. Well, she's put she or he is pushing me away. They clearly want to be on their own. That's actually not what's going on. They are self-sabotaging because they're afraid you're going to leave or hurt them or betray them, cause them emotional pain. So they're withdrawing to get away from that possible future pain or current future current pain. And it looks like, oh, yeah, they're just being independent. No, they're in so much pain. They have so much fear of abandonment. They, they will ruminate on that for a long time. So it's not actually a healing experience. It's not that avoiding that person or that trigger is not actually healing them. In fact, it's making them double down in their in their. It, it's sad, dude. It, you dig it. You dig your own holes with this. It's it's really sad. It's very painful. And then you try you you feel shame. Once you ever have a recollection that you might be causing some of this, that causes another shame spiral. And they're like, oh, I don't want shame. Shame hurts. Shame feels worse than every other emotion. So I'm going to run back to my coping mechanisms. I'm going to push everyone away or I'm going to move on to the next friend. Because if I move on to the next friend, I can have a new experience and they don't know about all this drama. And, you know, it's a wild cycle, man. Okay. So I told you about that unstable self-image. Now, remember, 
not all these things you have to have. I think it's only like nine of them you have to have. So if any of these don't ring true, it might not be for you. I don't have an unstable self-image that I can think of. My therapist doesn't think I do. I don't like, I mean, maybe I changed my hair once, but I'm not like changing religions every week. I'm not like all of a sudden I have a drastically different style and I have a drastically different belief system depending on who I'm around. Uh, so it's one of those things where if someone has it bad enough or they have that particular trait, they might feel like they don't know who they are. And that's actually a scary thing to feel too, is that they almost want to adapt to whoever they're around. And that might kind of be very shameful or very confusing or whatever. Um, and that's probably not that person's fault. They probably had a hard time developing identity when their caregivers were so shitty or whatever, whatever trauma happened, you know? Um, okay. The other one is I have three left impulsive self-damaging behaviors like excessive spending, um, you know, spending money that you can't afford self-harm, suicidal thoughts, substance abuse. So anything binge eating, like anything that is a little bit, um, maybe self-sabotaging, uh, can be part of it, but doesn't have to be, um, under extreme distress or bad triggers like a loss or of a person, a real or perceived loss of a person, the person can experience a brief break in rational thinking. And it can be even classified as paranoia. So if this person all of a sudden goes from, you know, they maybe someone cut them off or stopped talking to them, they have such an extreme fear of abandonment that, and such an extreme fear of loss, I guess you would say, that they will go and maybe even like accuse someone of something they never did. Or they might almost write like a narrative, like if you did something wrong, but I'm going to assassinate your character for all these other things. So that's a scary thing when your mind is not telling you the truth. And it really is a scary thing to witness. Okay, here's how I know I, I, I had moments like this. I would journal my thoughts about someone and I would journal all, all the emotions. This is how I'm feeling. This is what triggered me. Um, I, this person makes me feel so betrayed, blah, 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 make a whole list. And then the next day I would journal how I feel. And the next day, my, if, if I was in the middle of like a BPD episode or crisis, they call them a BPD episodes or crisis. The only way to know, since your mind is kind of playing tricks on you is to journal and then read your journal later to see if that's what you still feel, or if your thoughts and emotions are changing from hour to hour, day to day. And also to see if you can recognize a pattern of blacking people out. And then you, if you have anyone you trust to ask, hey, does this seem like I should black this person out for these reasons? And if, the, if you're having someone you could trust say, hey, no, that's probably not what I would do or whatever. I don't think that's necessary. Then someone can help balance you out because with a BPD crisis, your lens does get distorted. You do have moments where your pain is so intense that you, you're not trying to, but you can m distort how someone treated you and start to think that if someone was trying to do you right, nope, they're actually trying to do you wrong. Um, it's a very scary thing. And I saw in my journal, I would literally have full-on journals about how much I couldn't stand someone or how much they betrayed me, how awful they made me feel. And then like days or weeks later, I didn't feel that same way. So that's how you know is like this kind of like roller coaster of riding and... It's a wild ride, dude. I will say the positive with Borderline is, first of all, you can get it in check, which is amazing. That's the main, main thing I want to I want to bring to the table is that this is, if you're struggling with intense emotional dysregulation or interpersonal relationships that keep going up and down all over the place and you can't seem to figure it out, 
there's massive help with a therapist to that know that are going to get you diagnosed and treated with it and that can actually give you these tools for you to feel empowered take back your life have tools to bring your emotions I have tools where I can bring my emotions from a 10 to a 5 or a 10 to a 4. And I know I can go for a run or go for a workout or listen to certain types of music or journal, uh, paint. Like I have all these tools in my toolbox now that I feel so empowered and liberated and free from the control. I was being controlled by a lens and emotions. You know, you don't you don't want to feel like something's going to self-sabotage you all the time. It's not fun. And it, and it hurts people too. You might do or say things that hurt people. And that's very shameful. And it's and it sometimes leaves really long lasting effects. And then you're like, dang, did I just burn that bridge? Like I love that person dearly with every part of my soul. And now I my the way I behaved when I was in, in the middle of a rage or episode or in the middle of, you know, doing these things, I sabotaged my own relationship. Or someone else couldn't see where I was coming from and they don't know that I love them. They just see my actions on the outside. They can't see my heart. All they can see are my actions. So they're going to literally leave if they feel uncomfortable or talk smack if they feel uncomfortable, whatever it is. So I will say there's so, so much uh, help with this and so, so much. And the other thing with borderline is that I want to kind of drive home. Yes, it's dysfunctional. Yes, it can be devastating. And there you really do need help if you're going to you've got to avoid the suicidal thoughts, the suicidal ideation, the isolating yourself. Uh, maladaptive behaviors you're going to keep because it, it keeps getting worse over time over years it actually kind of gets worse so that's what I want to drive home but the good side of it is that when you have this I mean I don't know if this is good you guys can decide if it's good <laughs> I have it so I'm stuck with it I have to look at it from a good out, out, outlook my therapist told me that you're going to have these emotions for the rest of your life which that sounds devastating but I get to feel love and happiness at a 10 out of 10 or if someone I'm sorry 10 times more than maybe what someone else might feel because I have this emotional like dysregulation when I'm happy I'm super duper duper happy like you will see me I'm very expressive I'm very affectionate and it's a real love it's real happiness I'm not I'm not being extra for fun I'm not trying to get extra like eyeballs on me. I'm actually feeling that, that emotion that intensely. So if you have this and you regulate the negative side of, of the disorder, you get to be like this bubbly, happy, lovey-dovey, warm, excited, funny, hilarious, creative person. And you could channel this passionate energy into something so beautiful. You could recognize talents you have. You could recognize gifts you have. You can put your empathy where where you're where you want. And it, and it can be super powerful. There were moments when I would cry and cry and cry and say, I'm never going to get over this. When am I ever going to see see the things the way other people see them? When am I ever going to not feel so much pain? When am I ever going to do this? I don't want to pass this on to my daughter. I don't want to pass this on to my friend, like friends or husband. Like I don't want this to ruin more, more relationships. And when I finally said, you know what, I'm going to take, I'm going to I'm going to take this by the bull by the horns and instead of running from it, this little demon of this little demon of mine, I'm going to attack it and I'm going to come at it full force. And the the things I told share with you guys, there's so many resources nowadays with YouTube, uh, online psychologists. Like I said, Dr. Daniel Fox is amazing. There's another one I wanted to share with you. Her name is um, Kayla Spicer. She's on YouTube. She's at, at on the line community. Uh, she shared, she actually has it and she's the sweetest, cutest girl on there who you would look at her and like, okay, 
I don't see any mental health. I mean, not that you can judge someone's mental health by looking at them, but she looks so sweet and cute and she shares her struggles with everyone. She's open, she's honest, she's vulnerable, and it goes to break the stereotype that's out there that I don't know what it is, that the stereotype is like, oh, Amber Heard and, you know, Johnny Depp that had this thing and she had borderline, so maybe people think that, you know, that Amber Heard, everyone borderline just an Amber Heard running around, which is not the case. There's sweet people, there's genuine people, there's honest people that are doing, that have this and are struggling, deeply struggling, but they're still insanely beautiful people and they will love you hard if they get their shit in check and they'll probably love you harder because they fucking feel love like a mofo, like psychotically, <laughs> psychotic love if you're into that. So, yeah. Um, so this is just something I wanted to uh, wanted to share with you guys. Um, but people with BPD, another thing, just like I'll probably touch on like for the last five minutes here is that they usually don't seek treatment. They usually are not trying to seek treatment until things get really, really bad. And this is the part, this is the other reason why I wanted to come on here. A lot of people will go to the therapist, oh, I'm having anxiety. I'm having depression. Uh, you know, let me talk through it. Let me get some pills, whatever. This is bad because because the pain is in such a twisted way and the lens is, is kind of twisted on the people you love, it's not until after a bunch of series of bad things happen to someone that they f they recognize, oh, wait a minute. If I've lost this person, this person, this person, this person, all of those are different people with different backgrounds and different opinions and different relationships with me, but they're all, I'm serially losing friendships and family Maybe there's something I've done to hurt people. or may And the problem why they can't see that is because they're so afraid of feeling shame and pain on themselves. They already guilt themselves so much. Like that, their MO is to be like, I'm stupid. I'm terrible. I'm a piece of shit. I'm unlovable. They're already running those programs in their brain, kind of. And so one extra offense to be like, oh my God, and I have a mental illness. Oh my God, and this. Oh my gosh, and people are going to, you know, now everything's my fault. Now I have to deal with the emotional fallout of being an utter failure in relationships. That's so painful to, 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 to accept that it's like, well, what's the alternative? Keep getting, keep losing people, keep hurting people, keep blacking people out, keep literally sabotaging yourself and then thinking you're okay. And then try to convince yourself you're, you're not in pain, even though you're in more pain because you lost more people you love. It has to become so much consequence that you're like, I have to do something. And, it, and the consequences can be bad. If someone has borderline personality and they have violent or anger tendencies and they're, they're very outward in their expression, they could throw things, they could hurt people, they could start to act on violent tendencies. It's, it's not going to go in a good direction because the emotions keep getting more intense over time. They don't get better. So you have to reroute your thinking to not keep ruminating on things that piss you off and not ruminating on people that you've created as enemies in your life. It's actually so much more empowering to just make up with everybody or as much as you can make up with people. And to also recognize that as a relationship goes, nobody's black and white. You're not black and white. The person with BPD is not black and white. Nobody is. Everybody has gray areas. So everyone's going to have a little bit of love, a little bit of flaws, hopefully a lot of love and just flaws. But that's where that person can't wrap their head around it. And it's getting them to finally see, hey, this person in your life, did you love them? And now you hate them over this? Are you able to see that that's not normal or rational? Like it, there's something, there's like a blockage there. And it takes a lot of skill and, and a lot of patience and a lot of vulnerability and a lot of 
yeah, all three of those things and persistence over time to break through to someone, it's almost like an addiction because our, our coping mechanisms are actually are an addictive cycle. Our, we actually get a hit. And that's another freaking thing with this beast. We get a hit when we do the thing that's not supposed to help us. Like, let's say we we blocked someone that didn't deserve to be blocked or we ghosted someone that didn't deserve to be ghosted. Or we take make that person feel unloved. You get a hit of like dopamine from that. And it reinforces that you're protecting yourself and you're safe and that you did something good. So you're you become addicted to your own shit, your own maladaptive coping strategies. And it and then it's not until someone literally you 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 cannot lose, you lose them. And then you're like, oh my God, I gotta do something different. I gotta heal myself. I gotta take accountability. I gotta use tools. I gotta read books. I gotta go on YouTube. I gotta start start a podcast. You know, it's that's when you realize, okay, this is a beast. I got to slay it and it's going to take all day, every day to, to slay, but it can be slayed. And yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, dude. It is so wild. It's a wild ride, but it's, it's never a dull moment. There's nothing dull about this. If you're into this toxic stuff and get you a borderline girl, <laughs> she's a ball of energy and she's interesting and she's never dull and she's entertaining, but damn, um, it's, tr it's tricky. But once you're like once you're in therapy for like a year, I think like six months to a year, you're in complete remission. You're recovering and you have the tools and now you're not having unstable relationships and now you're not feeling suicidal and now you're not feeling isolated and confused and ruled by your emotions and ruled by your distorted lens and your friendships start to thrive and your everything just gets so good, dude. It's it's amazing. It's abs I could have never imagined that I'd feel this way two or three years ago. I could have never imagined I felt this way like probably a year ago. Um, and you still have episodes here and there, but they're so much more manageable. And after you get into a place where you feel like you're coping and you're empowering yourself, you you don't slip down deep anymore. You actually like stay high and you elevate more and you elevate more and it, it, it becomes a really beautiful experience. So um, yeah, that's my main spiel on this. I think I'm going to probably share more tips and tricks. If you guys have any specific mental health things you want me to discuss, discuss on the show, have guests come on the show, um, bring psychologists on the show, authors, I'm all about it. This show, like I said, is supposed to help people with mental health. I'm probably going to share more about borderline, borderline personality disorder on my YouTube channel as well. So you could find this on Spotify or YouTube. But I think I'm going to start because the thing is with mental illness you have to constantly educate yourself to really understand the full full throttle of it. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hopefully this is entertaining for you guys. I can give you the, if you really want, we can have a part two. We can go into the dirt and grime. I'm not going to expose everything about myself because that's just, you know, but I will share some details of why and how it got crazy for me. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I will see you next time.